For the first time, this is not what the sanctuary usually looks like. This is our special Thanksgiving Sunday where we have lunch and our fellowship hall is not big enough for all of us to sit in there, so we convert the sanctuary. Uh, we got people still coming in, so if you will just be alert and if you have some empty seats and you see people back there, just maybe kind of motion to have some people uh, fill in some of the seats. I know it's hard. So we have a service filled with singing. Uh, we're going to recognize our veterans today. We're going to recognize Northside's 30th anniversary, but we're going to start our service with our Praise Makers Choir. So if you'll give them your attention. can be seated. You can be seated. Well, good morning. We're glad that you are here. Usually on a Sunday morning, we uh, have you stand and welcome those around you, but that is nearly impossible uh, with tables and chairs. Um, 
you can barely walk up the aisles. So we're not going to do that. So if you just want to take a minute and wave at the person across from you, just go and do that and say welcome. All right, let me also make one other announcement while the praise team gets in place. Uh, there will be some standing and sitting that you're going to have to do this morning, and so I know it may take you an extra second to stand, but we do want to stand and worship. So lately in our morning worship, we've been passing the offering plate, but again, that's going to be really hard to do at the tables. We thought about you just sliding it down the table, but we thought that would be a distraction. Um, so, we're not going to take up the offering today. Our Deacon of the Week, Steve Holloway, will come and pray for the offering this morning, but the box is out in the foyer, and so we would encourage you uh, to give uh, graciously and generously um, with that. And so, if you will stand, let's worship together. Running out, 
before you're seated, there was something I was taught as a kid. Many of you know this, so repeat after me. God is good. good. Uh, There we go. So I shouldn't have said repeat after me. If you know how this goes, say it. If you don't know how it goes, you'll learn it. God is good all the time. God is good. Let's do it again. God is good. God is good. You may be seated. God is good all the time. We want to give thanks to the Lord this morning. And so we're going to do that in a couple ways. We'll do that a couple ways. First, this morning, we want to take a couple minutes and we want to give thanks to our veterans. Yesterday was Veterans Day. And so the choir is about to sing a song. If you've been with us before around the Sunday around Veterans Day, you know how this works. And I know this is going to be a little bit harder today because you're sitting at tables and chairs. But they're going to sing a song called Salute to the Armed Forces. And so when they come to your song, if you've served our country, if you would just stand and remain standing for just a few seconds during that song that is played so we can express our appreciation and our gratitude to you. And then after the choir sings, I will come and say a word of prayer. So Curtis.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Colossians chapter 2, it tells us that we are to abound in thanksgiving. Lord, we're here this morning ultimately because, God, of you. This is all about your glory. This is about our being saved and changed through the blood of Jesus Christ so that we have reason to praise, that we have been born again to a living hope. But Paul tells us to abound in thanksgiving, and I think that means in all things. So, fathers, we come this morning to give you all the glory and the praise and the honor. We also want to make sure that we are people who are thankful. And, Lord, I know if you turn on the TV or read social media or maybe have some conversations with people. Father, there's a lot of places in this country where veterans are no longer respected, no longer appreciated, no longer thanked. And Lord, as long as I'm the pastor here, that's not going to be the case in this place. Father, we thank you for the men and women who have served, who are serving, men and women who will one day serve, men and women who believe in the values and the principles upon which this country was founded and were willing to fight for them, willing to lay down their life for them. Many of them left as young men and women, and they came back. And every one of them came back different. Every one of them was changed in some way. Still maybe dealing with some of that even in their own life today. And so, Father, we pray for them. We are thankful for them. And, Lord, we recognize that there have been men and women in the last year. You know, Ryan just said it seemed like yesterday that the choir sang this song, Time Flies. Every year gets here quicker and quicker, it seems. We recognize that even in the last year since we've done this, there are people in our own church and veterans across the world, Lord, who have since passed away. And families who are this first Veterans Day may be grieving that loss. And so, Father, we, we pray for them and we remember them and we remember their families. And, Lord, we just want them to know that we are so thankful and grateful for them, for their sacrifice, and for their willingness to lay down their life. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me just kind of explain what's going to happen next. We're going to sing together. We gather together. Then Steve Holloway is going to come and he's going to pray for our tithes and offerings. And then the choir is going to go right in um, to singing uh, Because He Lives. And Luke Johnson is going to be playing the piano for that. So I know it's difficult, but would you please stand and let's sing We Gather Together.
with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. And thank you for the many blessings you've given us, Lord. And as we were reminded, and we should be reminded every day, you are good and you are faithful, and we should be thankful. We have a lot to be thankful for, Lord. And at this time, we normally bring up our tithes and offerings, Lord, and we just pray that they're given with a cheerful heart and that they're pleasing and acceptable to you, Lord. And may today, when we hear the message, may our hearts be broken for what breaks your heart, Lord. And when we take it, use it, and apply it to our lives, and go forth, as Jesus told us, and make disciples. We see all these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, choir. All right, so we want to take a couple minutes here and uh, give thanks to God for, sorry, i got to raise my stand here a little bit, for uh, Northside Baptist Church. So this past Tuesday marked our 30th anniversary as a church. Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So in just a minute, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to stand based upon when you joined, and I'm going to give you a decade. So you need to think for a moment, when did you join? So was it in the 90s, was it in the 2000s, 2010s, or since 2020? So I'm going to give you a second to think through that. Um, kids, if you want to go on and go to Children's Church, since I see some of you moving, you go right ahead. Hey, Zay, will you go, Daniel, will you get Zay and take him to Children's Church? Go on out, Zay. You can go. Sorry. Mother kid had to be. Listen, I don't know what's in the air, but some of you kids, you may listen to real well, and mine's one of them. If you were sitting over near, you saw what was happening to my table. So, um, but hey, we're abounding in Thanksgiving, and we're going to be grateful in all things. Amen. <laughs> Woo-wee, parents. All right, so before I have you stand as an individual, we do have one charter member of Northside, and that is Miss Margaret Shaddix. Margaret, where are you? Yeah, if you'll stand, Miss Margaret. That means she's been around longer than any of you, and she's seen more than anybody else in this room, and knows more than anybody else in this room, right? I know you hope you make it another 30 years. Praise the Lord. All right, so again, I know I picked a bad Sunday to do this because it's hard to get up and down. But if you joined from 1993 through 1999, would you just stand for a moment? Who joined? And just take a look around. Yeah. All right. All right. That's exciting. All right. Thank you all. So you've been around for a while. You've seen a lot of things too. All right. If you joined from 2000 to 2009, would you stand? All right. If you join from 2010 to 2019, would you stand? All right, so that's a significant number of people. And if you have joined since 2020 to 2023, which basically is since I've been the pastor, would you stand if you have joined since then? So I was trying to think about how could we recognize this day, and there are a lot of powerful stories in the last 30 years. I think one of the most powerful stories is that of Miss Dee Dee Smith. And so I've asked Dee Dee to come and just to share for just a couple minutes her story, and then to sing, because it's been years since she was able to sing. She sang at NBC's Got Talent, and so I've asked her to sing this morning. So would you all welcome Miss Dee Dee.
today is Thanksgiving, and we so well. Let me correct that. Technically, it's Thanksgiving with my family, so to me, it's Thanksgiving. But we experience it every year. But we should experience it every single day. Uh, gonna. Per a whole bunch of years into like two minutes. So in February 2009, my daughter was 10 years old, to put it into perspective. I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. I have to tell you, my church family, who I'm so thankful for, completely rallied around me. Um, and I did great. I responded to all treatment. Now, um, well, and, and that was chemo, surgeries, radiation, yada, yada. Doctors gave me the all clear, and I was like, yay. Two months shy of my five-year all clear, which you may or may not know, but um, five years in a cancer patient is a huge number because if you've been five years supposedly without – without any growth or what have you, then you're considered cancer-free. Two months, which, uh, by the way, I don't know if it was my hubris or just knowing God had it all. Um, I thought I was all good. And two, two months shy of five years, I was diagnosed with stage four inoperable metastatic breast cancer, and it metastasized in my brain four times. And I will tell you, God's so good. It was like it, it, every moment of it was precious. And look, I made these notes, so not following them. Uh, hold on. Yeah, done that, done that. Anyway, um, and this church, who I'm so thankful for, it's, it's y'all are my family. Because starting back in 2009, and then later when I was diagnosed with stage four in 2015, this church has supported me and my daughter when I was too sick, too unable to care for my daughter. Lots of you know who you are. <laughs> so many people showed up. And I'm so thankful, absolutely thankful for that. Um, has it been easy? No, of course not. But um, has my faith ever wavered? Uh, well, honestly, I jiggled a little bit. I didn't do the whole wavering thing, but I jiggled. I'm like, come on, God, fix it. I have been sad, I've been scared, I've been upset, begging God for answers. All right, our struggles, my struggles. It, okay, I have stage four cancer. Okay, they said I had this much time to live, but it's been almost nine years. Can I get a hallelujah? Nine years. <laughs> Some of our 
We may think that our struggles are more tragic than others, but I guarantee you every single one of you in here, doesn't matter if you can put the name cancer on it or put the name you know, sickness or loss of job or falling out with your family. There's a myriad of things that it can be, but the only thing that has never changed is I have never been alone. One, from this church family. And two, my God has never left me alone. I might not understand everything he's got planned. Still don't. But I know he's got a good plan. Um, I got to find the words to the song at this point. <laughs> Hold on. Look, it was a whim that I sang it the last time, and and uh, y'all are just gonna have to forgive me by my vanity. Um, it drives me crazy to not be able to sing the right note. It drives me crazy when I don't sing it how in my mind is proper. Um, but here's another God thing. I went through radiation treatments my second go-round, and I'm proud of it. Thank you very much. Um, it damaged my esophagus and my trachea, and I was not able to sing. And you can ask my mama, she's here. <laughs> All I've ever done is sing, and I did not understand that. I still struggle with that. But I'm going to try. Um, I sang this at Northside's Got Talent. Um, I don't remember any of it because I was just like a little freaked out. Um, so I may not hit the right note. I may not hold the note out long enough. That doesn't matter. <laughs> So anyway, um, did I do five minutes? Is that over? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so here's my offering.
Well done, Miss Didi. Well done. Well, Miss Didi didn't tell you, though she alluded to it, she was basically told the second time to get her affairs in order. Wondering, and her daughter is here, if she would ever see Eden graduate from high school, and she did. 
and then to see her graduate from college, which she did, and then to see her get married, which she did. God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter. Usually I have you stand as we read God's Word, but I've had you stand enough and hearing the chairs clank, so we'll just stay seated. We're just going to look at one verse, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. We'll spend a few minutes there, and then we're going to go over to Colossians chapter 2 um, to apply it, to apply it. So let's just jump right in. No need for an introduction, no need for an opening illustration. After Dee's story, I think I have your attention. Hopefully your heart is abounding in thanksgiving. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, this is the word of the Lord. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This morning, we're just going to walk our way through verse 13 and then jump to Colossians chapter 2. The first word that you read in verse 13 is what? Therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, you need to ask, what is it therefore? Like, what is it therefore? So Peter has spent the first 12 verses. In essence, verses 3 through 12 is one long paragraph. He spent the first 12 verses talking about who we are in Christ, what Christ has done for us, what Christ has given us. We call this, in Greek, the indicatives. This is the indicatives. This is what God has done for us and in us, and Peter is very clear as he lays this out to us. But in Scripture, we also see the imperatives. The imperatives, that is what we are called to do for him. What we're called to do for him. So part of what Peter is saying to these recipients is you are exiles. In other words, you don't belong now that you've been saved in Christ. You don't belong here. This is not your home. And therefore, you're as exiles living in a world that's hard. It's filled with suffering because of sin and the curse. But it's also a world that even for them was growing in hostility. It's a world in which we live in America which is growing in hostility. More and more people hating and standing against Christians in what we believe. So the recipients of this letter are living in between the already of their conversion. They've been saved. The already of their conversion and the not yet of their home going. They've been saved, but they're not with Jesus yet. So just imagine, because they would not have each had a letter or a Bible in their hands, so imagine they're gathered in the house church, and the pastor, the elders, reading from this letter as it comes to them, and they're reading over and over, hearing all that God has done for them, all that Christ has done for them, all that they are in Christ, and they're sitting there, and I wonder maybe if the, the pastor wouldn't have paused, and what the people would have been thinking. Like, what would you be thinking after Peter has laid out, and then you hear the word, therefore, you might be thinking, okay, Peter, so what's next? What do I do? I'm in exile. 
In a hostile, hard world, you've told me who I am. I'm to ground my faith in that I've got this living hope. I've got this inheritance stored up for me. Now what? What do I do? How should I live? And that is exactly what Peter does. He's going to call them to action. Beginning in verse 13, we begin to get into the imperatives. We begin to get into the commands. But hear me. The action, the commands are always grounded in God's saving work. Right? God's commands are rooted in his grace. He is not about to say, hey, go do all of this so that you can be saved. What he's saying is, since you have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, your life is changed, now therefore go live this way. Your ability to live out God's commands is rooted in his saving grace. And the fact the Holy Spirit indwells you and enables you to live for him. So this is what Peter says. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Preparing your minds for action. Literally, that Greek word means girding up the loins of your mind. Anybody else thankful we don't talk like that today? <laughs> like, what in the world does girding up the loins of your mind even mean? We wouldn't use that language today. You might use this language, and I don't have sleeves, but roll up your sleeves. If somebody says, hey, it's time to roll up your sleeves, you know what they mean. It's time to get to work. It's time for action. And so they, have this, they had this phrase, prepare, girding up the loins of your mind. So what in the world does that mean? Well, it refers to the tucking in of one's long flowing garments so that you could run or do serious work. They would wear in ancient times these long robes. Most of us in this room have been to a wedding. Anybody ever get nervous when the bride's walking down the aisle in that long dress? As a pastor, I do. I don't want anybody to fall. And then when they get up there, like everybody has to be mindful of this dress. The dad, by giving the bride away, can't step on it. The groom can't step on it. The pastor certainly can't step on it, right? You've usually got a maid of honor that's fluffing it and getting it in place. Why? It's hard to move in a long dress. There's no way that they could run, certainly no way that they could run. And so that's what, that's what it means. They would wear long robes. So they would gather the robe between their legs, right? They would tuck them into their belt. It's the idea of readiness or preparedness. That's why the English translates ESV, preparing your minds for action. Listen to Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. This is in the context of God getting ready to deliver his people from Egypt. He's giving them the instructions of the Passover. And it says this, in this manner, you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. They were to be ready. Because when the Lord said it's time to go, it was time to go. They had to be ready in haste. So what is Peter doing? He is calling them to action. He's about to give them their marching orders. This is who you are. Now live that out. Think about the gospel. You are not saved because of actions. You're saved by God's grace. But what do you read? Repent, confess, and believe. Faith. Those are action words. All by God's grace, but you're called to believe, to repent of that. Once you're saved, 
You're not saved again by action, but once you are saved, once you repent and believe, think of the words that the New Testament uses. Words like walk and obey, abstain, follow, sober-minded. Peter will use words like be watchful, resist him, stand firm, abide, worship. We're called, in light of God saving us by his grace, we're called to live that out. I love what Paul David Tripp said, the gospel welcomes us to rest in our Savior. Brothers and sisters, I've got good news for you this morning. Those of you who have walked into this place and you are sick and tired of striving, sick and tired of trying to find salvation in something or someone. You're working and you're working and you're always empty. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest from your striving. Rest from your having to save yourself. So yes, the gospel invites you to come and to rest in Jesus, to be secure in Christ. But Tripp goes on to say, but the gospel also welcomed us out of our sleep. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were we were asleep, slumbering, and the gospel, when it saves us and we rest in him, it calls us to now live in him and live for him. So hear me, the gospel, which is by grace through faith in Christ alone, once he calls you, it is not a call to do nothing. The gospel is not a call of, well, I've been saved, I can sit back and do nothing and just coast on into glory. It's not what the gospel is a call to. The gospel is not a call to passivity. The gospel is not a call to, well, I'm part of the team, but I'm just going to stay on the sidelines. It's more comfortable over here, but hey, at least I'm part of the team. I'm on God's team. It's not a call to passivity, and please hear me, it is certainly not a call to fit in. In all the commands that Peter's going to give us, he will never call you to fit in. If you fit in right now with the culture around you, there's a problem. Because as followers of Christ, we're not going to fit in. We're going to see next week, you are to be holy as he is holy. You are to stick out. You are to be different. We are to be prepared, and it starts with our mind. Paul says in Colossians 3.2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Your translation may say be sober. In other words, don't be drunk. Don't be under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Yes and amen. Be sober. Be sober-minded. We could also say be self-controlled. We could also say be single-minded. In other words, fix your eyes upon Jesus. One person says to be sober-minded means to live with eternity in view. Are you living right now, today, with eternity in view? Because what does Peter go on to say? Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. A couple things here. Number one, Christ is coming, amen? Christ is coming, amen? Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He came the first time, he's coming again. So be ready, be prepared but then he also goes on to say, set your hope fully. Not partially, not mostly, 
Not 99.9999%. But set your hope fully on that day that Christ is going to come. In other words, hear me. Your present decisions, your actions, your thoughts, and your attitude are to be governed ultimately by one thing. And that is the day that Jesus Christ is returning for his bride. Everything you think, everything you do, everything you say is not to be done because of the present moment or because of what you want in the flesh. But everything we do is to be done with the fact that Jesus Christ is coming for us. And that right now at this moment could be the day that Jesus comes for us. Our eyes are fixed on Jesus and therefore when they're on Jesus and that day we live differently today. So let me give you an illustration. So imagine a dad sits down with his three kids and his wife is there and he says, okay kids, one year from today we're going to Disney World. Now that's your cue. If you're going to help Miss Robin to prepare the lunch, you're going to get up and you're going to go. So those people are going to go, and when they leave, they're not actually going to Disney World. Some of them are going to go help. They're not actually going to Disney World. So just imagine, and I know Disney is not the greatest thing on the earth right now because of some of their stances, but everybody knows Disney World, and so I think the illustration is more impactful. So imagine, dad sits down with the three kids, and they're so excited, and and one year from now, we're going to see the princesses and see Buzz Lightyear and Woody and, and everybody, and so the next day, little daughter comes running in, dad, is it time to go to Disney World? Like, nope, we got 364 more days, sweetie. But hey, we're getting, it's paid for, we're going. Three months in, the sun comes. Dad, I'm ready to go see Buzz. Is it time yet? No, we got nine more months to go. The dad's constantly pointing them to, yes, we're going, it's just not here yet. Well, then during that year, the teenage daughter comes in and says, Dad, I need a new wardrobe. I need new clothes. Can we go spend $500 at the store? And dad's like, no, honey, have a seat. You remember, we're going to Disney World. It ain't cheap, sweetie. All our extra money has been poured into Disney World. So we're going to live differently today because of what's coming. And then another time the sun comes in, it says, oh, Dad, the NFL Madden game just came out, and I really want to get that game. It's like 70 or 80 bucks, I know, because I have a teenage son. I know how much they cost. It's like, no, son, we're going to Disney World. You cannot buy that game. And you're with the daughter at Target, the five-year-old that loves all the princesses. She wants to go down the aisle and buy all of these things. And you're like, sweetie, no, Disney's expensive. We cannot go. For an entire year, the dad is taking his kids and getting them to focus upon something they're excited about. And everything they do for that year is different because of what's to come. In a much greater way, church, that's how it is for us in Jesus Christ. Our eyes are not on the present. Our eyes are not on the moment. If our eyes are on the moment, we're going to live like the world. But if our eyes are on Jesus, then everything we do right now is different because our eyes are on Jesus. Amen? Prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The song that we sing is true. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When your eyes are on Jesus, when you understand what Jesus has done for you, 
And you understand your call is to follow him and to live like him and to walk like him and to imitate him. And therefore you are ready at all moments to just jump into action. You're going to live differently. He's calling us to action. So let's, let's apply this. If you have your copy of God's word, go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Just want to focus on the last part of verse 7, but let's read 6 and 7. And notice, notice the verbs. Notice the action words here. Again, saved by grace. Please do not misunderstand me. You're not saved by your works. But the gospel produces a changed life. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Have you received Christ Jesus the Lord? Have you trusted in him, believed in him? If you have, Paul says, so walk in him. Look at this, rooted Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So it's our Thanksgiving Sunday. A couple weeks ago we talked about rejoicing. And now for a few minutes let's talk about thanksgiving. I asked a couple weeks ago if I were to go to the people closest to you and I were to say, hey, is this person joyful? Is that a characteristic of their life? Let me ask the same question. If I were to go to the people closest to you and I were to say, hey, is one of the characteristics of your husband, your wife's life that they are thankful? That they're abounding in thanksgiving? Or would it be, no, they're a negative Nancy? And if your name's Nancy, I apologize. But negative Nancy, that's what they say, right? That you're just, they're just complaining, they're grumbling. Can it be said of us that we're abounding in thanksgiving? Can it be said of you? So let's take these two verses. Peter says, gird up your mind, preparing your mind for action. And the pulse is abounding in thanksgiving. So here's the question. What are you focused on? What is your mind focused on? Because if we focus on the wrong things, we will eventually become grateful in almost all things. If you're focused on the wrong things, you will become ungrateful. You will become bitter. You will become angry. See, your thoughts determine how you live. What you think determines how you live. What you believe determines how you behave. Your thoughts eventually give way to desires, things you want to do, and then you eventually act upon those desires. What you believe determines how you behave. And what's Paul saying of those of us who have received Christ Jesus? We are to abound in thanksgiving. In other words, a follower of Christ lives, acts, and thinks in such a way that they are abounding in thanksgiving. That it is evident. Church, you want to be different than the culture around you? Do you want to stand out from your neighbors and your coworkers and even, unfortunately, some of your own family members? Start living a life in which you are abounding in thanksgiving and you'll stick out like a sore thumb. Because how many people do you know that are bitter, cranky, ungrateful, ungodly, arguing about everything, getting angry about every little thing? issue always outraged that's the world that's not to be the people in this room that's how they live not how we live so let me just apply this to the two things that we've talked about this morning yesterday was veterans day 
Let me make two statements that I believe to be unequivocally true and I think everyone in this room will agree on. Number one, America is still the greatest country on planet Earth. Amen? Still believe that with all of my heart. Number two, America's got a whole lot of problems. We have got a lot of things that are wrong with our country. It seems with every day, every minute, we are walking further and further away from Christ, further and further away from his word, and almost with every passing day, people are getting more and more hostile to those of us who claim the name of Jesus and live out the principles of God's word. Those two things can both be true. Without a doubt, the best place to live in the world is this country, but yet there's a lot of problems. Now, which of those two do you focus on? Because yesterday, if your focus, and this was the focus of a lot of people in the world, if your focus was upon all that is wrong in the world, like you're just angry, like always watching, you're just angry at everything that's taking place, and you become bitter, and you become ungrateful, and you're just quick to run your mouth about all that is wrong in the world, and some of that may be true, but if that's your focus, you know what you didn't do yesterday? You didn't take the time to be thankful for the veterans of this country, the men and women who serve this country, because your focus is on all that is wrong. And yes, there's a lot that's wrong. But if you would just take the time to be focused on the right things, then you would have taken time to be thankful for the men and women who have served this country, who are massively responsible for where we are today in a good way. That if it wasn't for the men and women who believed in the values of this country, who believed upon what this country was founded upon, and who were willing to risk their life for this country, this country would have never started and would have ceased to exist a long time ago. So men and women are still standing for what they believe in. And yes, you can be thankful for that and at the same time be like, man, there's a lot that needs to be fixed in this country. But what are you focused on? If you're focused on the negative then you will not be able to find anything positive in this world. And that's where a lot of our politicians are. They're so focused on the negative that they can never come together to work on anything positive. It's just let's gripe and complain about everything. But let's focus on the other thing. 30 years that this church has been here as a light on Highway 29 to this community in Noonan and Coweta County. 30 years. And in 30 years, God has done some amazing, incredible things here. Amen? Lives have been changed and impacted. But some of you have been here long enough to know that in that 30 years, there's been some hardship. There's been some ups. There's been some downs. There's been some roller coasters. There's been some long deacons meetings. There's been some arguing. There's been some infighting. In 30 years, when you're dealing with sinful people who've been saved by God's grace, sometimes that just comes out. So the question is, what do you focus on? You could focus on all the negative and all the wrong, and some people that have been here at times have done that. Or you can say, yes, we've had some turbulent times, but man, we can still see God's grace. We can see his favor. We see his mercy and God is still working. That's what I'll focus on. And that's what I'll abound in thanksgiving with. Amen. The same can be said going forward. I pray the Lord allows me to pastor here for another 30 years. Now I'll be 74. You may not want me pastoring at the age of 74, but I love this church 
The last four years have been incredible, and by God's grace, I want to be here. I want to stay here. I want to do life with you, and I pray and pray with me that that, God will allow that to happen for years and years and years because that's the desire of my heart. But listen, going forward, let's just be clear. We are living in unprecedented times when it comes to the church and maybe persecution that comes in the church. And the church is going to have to deal with things that we never have had to deal with in the history of the church in America. And with that may come some struggles. With that may come some problems. There may be ways that I lead that you're like, look, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. And so going forward, like what do we focus on? Are we going to focus on the positives or are we going to focus on the hardships and the difficulties? I'm wearing a t-shirt. It's a new t-shirt. They'll be available to you in the upcoming weeks that you can, you can purchase and donate and all the proceeds will go towards missions. Live sent. Landon saw this yesterday and laughed. He said, Dad, you say that all the time now. You end the service every week with saying live sent. Yes, because that's our mission. That's why we exist. We are to be disciples who make disciples. And if we're going to be a light in this dark community, then we have to live sent. That's the focus. And hear me, when our focus is on Jesus and our focus is on the gospel and our focus is on Jesus changing lives, we'll abound in thanksgiving to the glory of God. Amen. But we can say this of everyday life. Everyday life, what are you focused on? Let me tell you. You're going to see this morning what you want to see. If you came in this morning and you were unhappy and it had been a rough morning and you were miserable and you were looking for things to complain about, you could find them. I wore a t-shirt this morning just to upset some of you. I'm just kidding. I didn't really. I didn't really. I didn't really. That's why I'm thankful that I pastor a church that you don't care if I wear a t-shirt or if I wear a tie. Just preach the gospel and let's just focus on Jesus. Amen. I'm thankful for that. But you're going to find what you want to find. What do you want to see? If you want to see the negative, you will see it. It's everywhere. But if you want to focus on Christ and you want to abound in thanksgiving, you can find the things to say, Lord, I praise you for that. And listen, this community... This world needs more people who are focused on Christ and who will live for Jesus. They don't know that, but that's what they need. They need men and women who will walk into Kroger or Publix. And when there's a long line and you're in a hurry and you've got many reasons to complain about, those cashiers need more men and women who will patiently stand in that line. And when you get to that cash register, rather than ripping her up and down like people in front of you have, you will smile and thank her and show grace to her. And yes, they can move faster. And yes, they can fix the process. And maybe an email needs to be sent. But that lady doesn't need to feel your wrath. She needs the love of Jesus. There's enough people, this isn't even in my notes, there's enough people who will go on social media and who will blast the negativity. There's enough of them out there not followers of Jesus. Live as the light. Abound in thanksgiving. And man, what a difference you and I can make in this world. If they will just see the light of Christ. Is it easy? Nope. It took all I had about 30 minutes ago sitting right over there to abound in thanksgiving and not get really upset. So it ain't easy. I think sometimes the Lord just likes to test us. All right, Pastor, you going to preach on this? Let's see how you handle it right now, right? By God's grace, I handled it well. Um, though I won't share a blue pen anymore with my kids at the table when I only have one blue pen. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. 
what's your focus on? We're going to sing in just a minute 10,000 reasons. We have 10,000 reasons and more to celebrate and to focus upon Jesus. I love the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. My mom, every other week, sends the most encouraging email to my brother, my sister, and I. Every other week, she's faithful to do it. It's paragraphs and paragraphs long. I love you, Mom, uh, if you're watching. But it's paragraphs long, but she's the most encouraging person I know. And in this last, on Monday, she talked about turn your eyes upon Jesus. And so I just Googled that. I just wanted to hear a, a song. I wanted to hear the words. And I actually came across a, a, a music called Sovereign Grace Music. I've heard of Sovereign Grace Music. If you're looking for biblically sound worship music, Sovereign Grace Music, they have a song called Turn Your Eyes. And man, I wanted to sing Turn Your Eyes just while I was preaching so bad several minutes ago, but I didn't. But, but they take that song and they do the first verse and then they, they create their own verses after that. Verse 2 of their song says, Turn your eyes to the hillside where justice and mercy embraced. There the Son of God gave his life for us and our measureless debt was erased. Verse 3, Turn your eyes to the morning and see Christ the lion awake. What a glorious dawn, fear of death is gone, for we carry his life in our veins. And then verse 4, turn your eyes to the heavens. Our king will return for his own. Every knee will bow, every tongue will shout. All glory to Jesus alone. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our prize. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Brothers and sisters, if we are to prepare our minds for action, if we are abound, to abound in thanksgiving, it will only happen if you and I take our eyes, take them off the things of this world, and turn them and fix them and keep them fixed upon Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of our life. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? The praise team is going to come. While they come, let me just ask you a couple questions. Number one, as your eyes are closed and your head is bowed, no distractions, do you know Jesus Christ? You have heard Ms. Didi's testimony of God's grace. You didn't hear any about her, of, of how God saved her that is part of her story, but then also how God has healed her, how God has been her rock and her refuge every single day. Have you trusted in Jesus? Whether you have gone through seasons of suffering or, or whether you have lived your life kind of in, in a place of ease, can you say that you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Have you ever, as Paul said, received, received Christ Jesus the Lord? Do you know him? If you don't know him right now, right where you're sitting, would you simply stop your striving? Stop looking in every direction for joy and peace when you know it will never fill you. And will you stop and turn to Jesus right now? Would you confess your sins? For your sins are many and you have sinned against the holy God. Would you confess your sins? Would you repent of your sins? And would you cry out asking for the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins? If you've done that this morning, I'm going to ask that after the service, while people are getting their food, if you would just come see me and say, Pastor, I prayed, I, I received, I called upon the name of Jesus to save me this morning. Would you tell me more? 
What do I do next? How do I know that I know that I know that I can be saved? If you have given your life to Jesus, can you say two things? One, that you're abounding in thanksgiving. And two, can you say that you're preparing your minds for action? That your mind right now is being transformed. That your mind and your thoughts are even fixed upon Jesus. And if they're not, would you just be honest and just confess, Lord, my eyes and my mind have been focused on the things of the world. Forgive me and turn my gaze to you so that I can abound in thanksgiving. And then church, I'm just going to ask in just a moment as we stand that we sing this song from the depths of our heart overflowing with thanksgiving for every good gift, 10,000 plus gifts that the Lord our God has given us. Father, we offer up this song of praise to you. You are worthy and infinitely worthy of any words that could come out of our mouth. But Lord, we offer them up to praise you because there are 10,000 plus reasons to do so and you call us to praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand and let's worship together. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name, the sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes, bless the Yeah.
find it. There it was. All right, just a couple quick announcements, then some instructions for eating, and then Pastor Gary's going to come and lead us uh, as we read together Matthew 28. So this afternoon from 4 to 6 at Royal Baptist Church, two of our IMB missionaries, Johnny and Donna Moss, who have been here uh, in Esmeralda's Ecuador, they're going to be there 